Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Good to be with you all. Thank you all for coming tonight on this, the fifth, this is the fifth week of the semester, which I think is like the time when everyone wants to just run into a wall or curl up in a ball on their bed and cry, I think. So uh, anyway, it's good that we all get to share in that feeling together tonight at RUF. Um, If you've been coming, I think most of you have been coming, then you know we've been going through this series in RUF where we're just, it's called All of Life Belongs to God, and we're looking at different topics, things in life that uh, we talk about a lot that are meaningful to us, and we're kind of looking at what does the Bible say about these things, and we've been focusing for a while now on relationships in particular, and we talked about the idea of love and how we were meant for love, and we talked about the challenge of relationships, and we talked about sex, and last week Jeb spoke and did a great job addressing the topic of loneliness, and I want to just continue kind of where Jeb left off last week in talking about a topic that is not spoken of often enough, I think, which is the basic and simple topic of friendship. Uh, something that we all, I think, think we know a lot about, but uh, that I think we could devote a lot more time to thinking about. And so I'm going to read a passage for us from John 15 up there. Uh, This is Jesus speaking to his disciples at a really crucial point in his ministry. Uh, So let me read it for us. He says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Let me pray again for us. Uh, Father, as we come now to your word... Uh, We know that we need you and your spirit to make sense of it to our hearts and apply it there and change us. So we pray that you would be at work in that way as we examine this, uh, your word tonight. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. When I was in college, my junior year of college, I had the opportunity to study abroad in the south of France. Is anybody a study abroad person thinking about studying abroad? ever have few of you uh, studying abroad is great it's like you know it's called study abroad but it's really just like this vacation that you get like college credit for essentially and you get to see all this amazing stuff and I spent a semester in the south of France and it was great great experience and one of the things I can remember as I prepared to go abroad and something that I actually got to live out one 
uh, day there was like I was really looking forward to the idea of like hopping on trains with no dust, you know, on my own, scarf around my neck, <laughs> backpack on, tra- hopping train to train, going where the wind blows. And so one day, one Saturday, uh, during that semester, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to live the dream. And so I got up early and got on a train, and I was like, you know, picking destination. I was like, I'll go check this out. And uh, I saw palaces that day. I saw countrysides that Van Gogh had painted, and I saw castles, and I saw ruins of the Roman Empire, and all these amazing things. And coincidentally, it was one of the worst days of my life because I didn't say one word to another human being the entire day. I don't know if you've ever gone a whole day without talking, but like you feel like you're not even a human at the end of a day like that. And the sound of your own voice scares you a little bit. And it was this awful, like I was so, I had never been that lonely before. And the reason I was lonely, I think, is because I was seeing all this amazing stuff and there was no one by my side that I could be like, look how awesome this is. Like, do you see that over there? It was just me. Uh, and I realized that day that that is a big reason why we need friends. That's why we were made for friends. And I realized that day that I was really grateful that that wasn't every day of my life, that I did have some friends. And uh, the reason for that, the big picture that I want us to think about today is that friendship is a taste of glory. Uh, Listen to what C.S. Lewis writes about having a group of friends. If you've ever had a group of friends before that you really love, then you'll identify with this. This is what he says about a group of friends. He writes, in a perfect friendship, this appreciative love is, I think, often so great and so firmly based that each member of the circle feels in his secret heart humbled before all the rest. Sometimes he wonders what he is doing there among his betters, especially when the whole group is together, each bringing out all that is best or wisest or funniest in all the others. Those are the golden sessions. When four or five of us, after a hard day's walking, have come to our inn, when our slippers are on, our feet spread out toward the blaze, our drinks at our elbows... And when the whole world and something beyond the world opens itself to our minds as we talk, and no one has any claim or any responsibility for another, but all are freemen and equals as if we had met an hour ago, while at the same time an affection mellowed by the years enfolds us. Life, natural life, has no better gift to give. Who could have deserved it? We all want that, right? Like, isn't that what glory is? Just that moment when you're with a group of friends and everything is right in the world. Uh, but, and so we, we all want that, but friendship is really the type of relationship that we talk about the least. Uh, C.S. Lewis goes on to say, friendship is the least natural of the loves. It's the least instinctive and organic and biological, gregarious and necessary He says there's nothing about it that quickens the pulse or turns you red and pale. You see what he's saying there? He's saying, you know, like, there's a reason we don't say, like, yeah, some, like, let's talk about some hardcore friendship today, you know? Like, we don't, like, when we ask the question, who do you like, it's never about a friend, right? It's about a romantic interest because uh, those are the things that we want to talk about the most. And, you know, even though Jesus here 
talks about laying down his life for his friends. Uh, the only people we usually think about laying down our lives for are like a romantic partner or something like that, right? Like, have you ever heard a pop song about laying down your life for your friend? No. Or like, what movies out there? Like, man, that was such a good movie about friendship. No. Right? Every, <laughs> the Fox and the Hound. Yeah. There are some. There are some. Right. But it's way over, you know, it's trumped way more by, you know, every movie is like, you know, it ends with a couple walking into the sunset or something like that, right? Um, And so we do need to talk about friendship because friendship helps us, it's a picture of glory and it helps us to know God. And what I want us to think about tonight is how uh, not only that is true, but how knowing God will help us to be friends. And I want to take a moment to just address the question of why we need friends and it's worth addressing because we live in a culture that tells us we don't need friends. I want you to think about uh, some things like the fact that uh, in our culture, asking for help is usually seen as weak, right? No one wants to be the one to say like, hey, can you help me? I need help. Or ask for directions. Or can you show me this? Uh, because in our culture, it's seen as a sign of weakness, Uh, The people we value and esteem and look up to are usually self-made people. Think about it. The businessman who started with nothing and he worked his way up, right? Steve Jobs, uh, you know, you fill in whoever you've heard about like that. Uh, People who travel the world alone, you know, they went around the world in a boat and all by themselves and it's amazing. Or, um, you know, everyone who's figured it out without any help and we think, oh man, what a strong person. And the problem with that is that the Bible sees self-reliance as very weak and very sad. Uh, Jeb addressed this a little bit last week when he talked about loneliness. And one of the things he talked about is how when God first made Adam and Eve, when he first made Adam and there was no Eve, he said, you know, it is not good that the man should be alone. And the man was in paradise. You know, Adam was in the Garden of Eden. Everything was perfect. And he still said it was not, it's not good, though, that he's alone. Uh, And so what Jeb told us last week is that needing others is the way it's supposed to be. Like loneliness, if you're someone who gets lonely when you're alone, it's because something's right with you, not because something's messed up. Because we were never meant for that. Uh, And not only that, but the one who made us, God, is a relationship in and of himself, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see it in this passage as Jesus talks about, he's talking about his Father. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And, And that's a way of saying, we've been friends since before existence. Friendship is older than anything. Because God within himself is a friendship. And so I want us to think about what friendship is today and kind of evaluate our friendships. And uh, I want us to see that friendship is about three things that we see in this passage. And they all start with an S, so you'll remember them all. Uh, Friendship is about secrets. Friendship is about sharpening. And friendship is about sacrifice. So first of all, friendship is about secrets. secrets. And when I talk about secrets, I mean kind of like the intimate details of our lives, uh, the things that you don't just tell anyone. And we see it in verse 15. In verse 15, he writes, No longer do I call you servants. He's talking to his disciples. No longer do I call you servants, 
uh, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. Do you see how he defines friendship in that one statement? He's like, you're my friends now because I'm telling you my secrets. That's what friendship is. In fact, the Hebrew word for friendship is the same word for secrets. They're synonymous. Uh, We see it uh, in modern day culture as well. Anybody watch The Office? The Office, the TV show. A bunch of you watch The Office. Hilarious show, right? Great show. There's this one episode called The Secret. And if you know that show, you know Michael Scott is this like obnoxious. What makes him obnoxious is because he's desperate for friends, right? He's just so desperate for friends and it's so obvious and it's so cringeworthy to watch. And uh, there's this episode called The Secret where you know, season one and two have been building and there's this like obvious romance developing between Jim and Pam in the office and everyone knows it except for them. And uh, there's this one point where Jim kind of accidentally tells Michael that he likes Pam. And Michael like cannot hold it in. He's like walking around the office being like, hey, Jim, like, how's the pee situation? You know, like, Pam? And, and, and Jim's like, oh, no, oh, what have I done? And so he calls Michael into his, he goes into Michael's office. He's like, you know that thing I told you? And Michael's like, yeah. And he's like, it's personal. Like, and Michael immediately is like, who else knows? And Jim's like, no one. And then it cuts to, like, the interview with Michael. And, and Michael's like, Jim and I are great friends. <laughs> we hang out a ton, mostly at work. But the fact that he told me his secret and no one else says everything about our friendship. Right? I mean, he's an idiot, right? So he doesn't... But he get what he does get, what is true, is that friends are people we tell secrets to. It's just a very basic... So he misconstrues... Because Jim accidentally told him that, he misconstrues their relationship. But kind of rightly so... Um, I want you to think about your friendships. Do they have this component? Do your friends really know you? Would your friends be surprised if you told them some of the things you're really dealing with? Would they be surprised if you revealed what your hopes and your fears and your past were? Um, Or do you ever, with your friends, ask get-to-know-you questions just because, you know, you've been friends for a while, but maybe you don't know some stuff about them. Uh, you know, just because you want to know what they're thinking about, how they're handling things, what they're dealing with. And if you have friendships that you care about, you need to evaluate whether or not they're actual friendships. And the, way, the first way is just, can, you, can I trust this person? Do they know me? Uh, are we getting to know each other on this level that's beyond acquaintance? Uh, And, you know, the reason this is important is because it's a picture of how God relates to us. Um, We need people in our lives to see all of us and accept us so that we can be reminded that the gospel is true, that there's one, there's a God who can see all of us and still accept us because Jesus has substituted himself for us. Uh, Life is incredibly difficult if you don't have that. And so friendship is ultimately a reminder of the love of God as we have friends who are able uh, to hold our secrets close and to walk with us in them. And obviously this, this takes wisdom, right? Like don't, there's only, like, don't go up to someone and be like, listen to my deepest, darkest secrets and have them be like, what's your name again? Like, you know, don't do that. But, you know, 
And some of us have been burned by this kind of thing before, and so it takes wisdom. Uh, but if you've ever confessed something to someone, something personal, uh, something that was hard to tell, you know, and they've accepted you, then you know that there's this like wave of relief that washes over you. Uh, how there's joy in being found out and not having to bear a burden all by yourself. I can remember this happening, seeing this happen uh, when I was an RUF intern, like our beloved Jeb and Hannah. And uh, I was leading a small group Bible study with the campus minister that I was working on, working under. And uh, we were leading a guys group and we were going through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus's most famous teaching, uh, which we've uh, gone through in large group uh, recently. And there's a section on lust. And there was this guys group, and we were meeting before the Bible study to talk about, like, how are we going to do this? And, and we were like, you know, can we, how can we bring up this topic without making it, like, too awkward, but also not letting these guys off the hook? And how are we going to... And so, like, we got to the point in the conversation where, like, we needed to start talking about lust. And amazingly, this one college freshman just blurted out, he was just like, I look at porn, like, every day, and I can't stop. And amazingly, it, there's this circle of guys, and everyone's kind of like, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And, like, there was this, like, weight that just fell off of everyone's shoulders in that moment. when it was like, oh, finally, like, I can breathe again. And those guys went on to be, like, they're still, like, best friends with each other today. And it's because in that moment they were free to just, like, let go of what they were concealing in a, in a place where they could, you know, count on that element of trust. Um, and so kind of to sum up what we're talking about here, C.S. Lewis says, where romantic love has naked bodies, friendship has naked personalities. That's why friendship is about secrets. Uh, but I want to move on to talk about how friendship is about sharpening. And this might have struck you as kind of weird when we read it. Because in this passage, uh, in verse 14, for instance, Jesus says, You're my friends if you do what I command you. Anybody kind of taken aback by that statement? Because it's kind of like, huh? Command? Your friend? Like, what? Uh, and I think the fact that that kind of makes us kind of do a double take is telling that we're missing something about what friendship uh, really is. Because what friendship, it, it assumes that two people or a group of people are kind of going somewhere together. That they're not just staying where they are, but they're moving toward a destination and ultimately working to lead each other down a good path. Uh, Proverbs 27 actually says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Uh, that's what friendship is also supposed to be about. And I don't know if you've ever like been to a blacksmith's shop or something like that, but when iron sharpens iron, sparks fly. And I think a lot of our friendships miss this component as well. This component of, is there confrontation? Are there, is there conflict that's addressed? Are there ways that we challenge each other? Do your friendships have any of these components ever? Um, another place in the Bible, in Proverbs 27, it, uh, it says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Think about that. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. 
You see what that's saying? It's saying a friend is someone who will wound you if it's for your good. Uh, what I see a lot at Yukon is not that. But what I see a lot is talking behind each other's backs. I see a lot of like, man, they're a mess, you know. But I, what I don't see a lot of is like face to face, like, hey, why don't let's talk about this to each other's face. Um, real friendship will have that. It will have difficult conversation. It will have confrontation. And confrontations leave wounds, right? So one thing you could do if, if you really want to kind of uh, feel out your friendships is ask your friend, hey, would you feel comfortable wounding me if you knew it was for my good? Or would you be scared of how I re- would react? Ask your friends if you're woundable. I remember vividly a time where my a really good friend of mine wounded me we were driving together on a long trip and I was just being a jerk and I didn't know it and it came to this point we had been driving together for a while and he was just like hey listen I feel like you're putting down everything I say he said it just like that and I can remember the wound like it pierced me because I knew he was right in that like I didn't I couldn't see it until he said it but once he said it, I was like, oh no, I am a jerk. I'm just being a jerk. What is wrong with me? And I still remember that to this day. And it's a perfect example of how we need people to tell us about ourselves because we don't see everything. And friendship wounds are kind of like surgical, you know? You know the difference between a surgical wound? You know, like, it's purposeful, right? It's not like, let me just mess everything up in your life for you, but it's like, I'm going to go in and make this cut and do as little cutting as possible, but I'm going to do it because it's for your good. Uh, So Jesus rebukes and commands his disciples, not because he wants to ruin our lives, but because if he doesn't, then we'll die. You know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how God puts boundaries on sex and how God doesn't do that to like ruin our lives and make us uncool as Christians, but he does it because sex is a dangerous thing that can destroy us if it's used improperly. And so as you think about your friends, keep in mind, you know, you're not Jesus. So, you know, Jesus has a level of confrontation that we don't have, uh, and we need to earn the right to tell people some things, you know. Um, And that Jesus doesn't command us like an overbearing master, but he commands us like friends. Okay, so friendship is about sharpening. Uh, Secrets, sharpening, and finally, it's about sacrifice. And he's, Jesus says something that's been one of the most quoted verses in the Bible here. He says, greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Uh, it's an amazing statement about love, right? Because it's not that a man lay down his life for his family or his significant other, but for his friends. Uh, do you see how important friendship is? And Jesus here is looking ahead to the cross, right? He's thinking about laying down his life on the cross for these friends. And you need to see, you'll never lay down your life the way Jesus did. Because Jesus, death had no hold on him. You know, I could like jump in front of a bus to save your life. And that wouldn't be the same thing as Jesus dying uh, for us because I was going to die anyway. You know, my death just got moved forward a little bit. But Jesus went to the cross and died even though death had no hold on him. 
He was the one human that death could not overcome unless he let it. Okay. Um, what could it, if that's true, what could it look like for us to actually lay down our life? Like, we're not going to, it's not talking about jumping in front of a bus for your friends per se, but what is it talking about? How can we lay down our lives for our friends? One of the, we talked about one of the ways already, right? Being willing to have the difficult conversation, even though it's going to make things awkward, right? There's a cost to that. Awkwardness sucks, right? We hate, we live to avoid it. Uh, but sometimes uh, if we're going to love a friend, we need it. We need to enter into it. Uh, another way uh, that we can lay down our lives for our friends is through forgiveness, Right? Do you know what for, forgiveness is paying a cost? It's saying, what you did hurt me, and I'm not going to retaliate. I have the right to retaliate, but I won't. Uh, I'll bear the cost. I'll bear the hurt for your good. Right? So there's this great cost to forgiveness, but you know what? Nothing builds up friendships more than forgiveness. There's no stronger relationship than two people that have forgiven each other a bunch of times and remained friends. Another way we can lay down our life for our friends is just through generosity. I think we don't think about this enough at all. You know, do you ever just think, like, how can I be generous to my friends today? How can I show them that I love them today? That would be a recipe for a great friendship friends that treated each other in that way. Um, All right, so friendship is about secrets and it's about sharpening and it's about sacrifice, but I want to think in kind of closing about how do we make friends? I think there's a lot of us that hear about friendship in this way and we think like, yeah, that sounds great. I would like that, but I don't have that right now. And what I want to say to you is that first of all, friends are chosen. Friends are discovered. They're not made. Um, you know, the worst way to make friends is say, will you be my friend? Right? <laughs> You'll freak everyone out, right? No one, like, that's the question no one wants to hear, right? Will you be my friend? Because you immediately think, like, well, what's wrong with you? Like, right? Uh, but the way you do make friends is that you go out and meet people and you have interests and things that make you unique and you engage them. And the way that works is that, you know, Rather than asking someone, will you be my friend, you meet someone and you find out, like, oh, you're into basket weaving, too? I thought I was the only one, right? (laughs) You like romantic comedies? Me, too. You lay in bed on Saturday mornings and watch Spongebob? Me, too. I thought I was the only one. That's how friendship, and that's how friendship is made, you know, it has to be based on something other than a need for friends, okay? But... Our friendship with Jesus is different. Uh, because in, here, in this passage, Jesus says, You did not choose me, I chose you. Um, and the thing about that is that making, making friends, putting yourself out there, there's always this possibility of rejection, right? That's why we fear that. Uh, some of us don't open up because we're ashamed that if people find out the real us, they'll turn and run away. Uh, but Jesus doesn't choose us as friends based on our worthiness. Uh, We didn't choose him. He chose us. And that means that that's the most secure friendship you will ever find because it's, there's no basis of it except that he chose us because he loves us.
Uh, and that is the basis. Friendship with Jesus is the basis for stepping out into every other uncomfortable, awkward, difficult relational situation that there is. And I want us to close by thinking about that here. Uh, Jesus says, oh, Jesus says all this stuff. Like, do you know where he is when he says this? He's heading to die. Like, Jesus is going to die after he says these things. And he knows it. And before he's arrested in this account, so he says these things to his disciples, and they go to a garden, and Jesus goes to pray, and he asks his disciples, like, will you guys wait here? Will you wait with me and stay awake? I'm going to go pray. And Jesus is praying to God, his Father, sweating blood, in agony, because he knows he's about to walk down the most difficult path that anyone has ever walked. And he keeps coming back, and his friends, keep, his disciples, keep falling asleep on him. And they fall asleep again and again in his, the moment when he needs them the most. And what you need to see is that's just a picture of us. Like the disciples in that moment falling asleep on him is a picture of us. And what it shows us is that he's not friends with us because we're good friends. He's friends with us because he is a good friend. We need to stop thinking of Jesus as, oh, he's my, he's like my boss or my employer or my master or anything like that. And begin to think of him as Jesus is my friend. And if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian or some of this is new to you, I realize that saying, like, my friend is Jesus probably sounds wacky, right? Like, oh, my imaginary friend, right? Uh, I'm friends with Jesus. But I want to ask you, if that's you tonight, I want to ask you, like, can you think of a better person to have an actual friendship with than the one who made you? Is there any relationship you would want to have more than a friendship with the one who made you and chose you and selected exactly how you would be? Jesus calls us his friends. When we read these words, what we have is a connection with an actual person. Like someone is behind these words when we read them. It's not like the Bible is just this instruction manual, but there's a person there that we can encounter. And in it, Jesus says, you can't be my friends unless you know that I've laid down my life for you. You know, he's this God who knows every intimate detail of your life, all the reasons he shouldn't be your friend, but he is, and he's still laid down his life for you, and it's the basis of your entire life. Like, that's his biggest secret. And not everyone gets to know that secret. It's the secret, it vanquishes death, and it gives eternal life if it's bestowed upon you. But if you receive it, if you know it, if you live it, uh, then you don't have to worry about first impressions ever again. The fear of rejection that you think about and feel when you reveal things about yourself will just go away. You won't be scared to confront your friends and have difficult conversations as much anymore. And you can be wounded but not crushed and you can learn to love. You can learn to be a friend. And the promise is that there's going to be a day. We relate to Jesus as our friend now as we interact with his word, as we pray to him, but there will be a day 
when that circle of friends by the fire with the amazing drink uh, includes Jesus himself, Jesus is going to be serving the drinks. And it'll be the best display of glory, the best friendship uh, you've ever experienced. That's our hope. Uh, So let me pray in closing uh, that we would experience that, uh, taste of that even today. Uh, Father, we are, if we're honest, just bad at friendship in a lot of ways. And we pray that you'd make us better friends by uh, knowing you more. Help us to uh, be able to lean into our friendships, especially the hard parts of them, because uh, we know that you've been a good friend to us, even though we are often a bad friend to you. Might we know you as a friend? Might we be transformed by that? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.